When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Like this is the end of the year. Perfect timing for I want a new job. I know I want a new career for the new year because yep. this, this is where I was in December. What's up, everyone? I'm Trent. I'm joined by a very special guest today, Ashley. She's been a business development rep in tech sales for nearly a year now. And today we're going to talk how she got the job, a realistic day in the life, and much, much more. But first, we got to talk about how this conversation came about. Mm -hmm. Ashley posted on LinkedIn yesterday saying, my only Christmas gift is to have a chance to do an interview podcast with Trent. Here we are. Did you think this was going to happen so quickly? No. <laughs> to be honest, I was like, Trent has so much going on. He's not going to see this. And then everyone was commenting like, yeah, I hope your your wish comes true. And then you <laughs> responded and I was like, oh my goodness. I, I think my only wish for the New Year's is trying to get my lashes up like yours because you got the lashes strong, the hustle on. So we're ready to go today. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, before we get into your story, why did you want to speak here today? Um, the main reason why I wanted to speak on this platform is because I am a coach for close course careers and a lot of people are struggling and they don't know the realistic or the reality of breaking into tech. So for me to reach, you know, a plethora of people and be able to, I guess, use my voice to help people, I figured talking to you, cause a lot of people look up to you, this was the best way to do that. Um, well, you know, hopefully we I, can reach millions of people today. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you think people are struggling with? What do you think people don't know about breaking into tech? Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. So um, even if you put in the applications, um, even if you do the follow-up emails with the recruiters, you have to literally be patient. So this process of breaking into tech helps you with patience. And with that being said, when you do, you know, get an offer letter from a job or a company, it's going to help you with your prospecting and talking to clients as well. Because just because you set a meeting as a BDR or SDR, you have to wait for that email response. You have to wait for them to pick up the phone. You might leave tons of voicemails, but that last call they might pick up. So you have to have resilience patience, understand rejection. Like there's a lot that comes along with becoming an SDR or a BDR. And like I said, I just want to try to help as many people as I can. 
I want to talk about your story breaking into tech sales, but where I want to begin is what you do now. Now that you've been in the role for nearly a year, I'm curious, how has getting the job as a BDR changed your life? Um, I will say for the better. Um, this opportunity has changed my life, my family. Um, it helped create opportunities and open doors for me financially. Um, I think this was probably one of the best career choices I've ever made in 32 years. So with that being said, um, having a degree in a different career field or background, such as medical, I'm coming from a medical background, I wasn't really thriving. I was literally just sitting in a pot and I was just going to work every day, just miserable. But with in tech sales, as a BDR, SDR, um, I'm actually talking to multiple different people. I'm networking. I'm actually excited to go to work. Um, I actually don't mind. I mean, I work from home, but I still connect with new people every day from my home. So, you know, it just gave me a a wide opening, like, realization that, you know, you can be successful from home, but you can also not have a bachelor's degree to do this job. You know, you can literally start with course careers to get the understanding of how to get into the entry level. So by doing that, like I said, it opened up so many doors for me. Working from home, what do you actually do day to day? Can you walk us through a day in the life of Ashley, the BDR? Yeah. So I wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, you know, gotta do that. You, know, you gotta wake up. So I wake up and I just basically, you know, do the basic wash face, brush your teeth, stuff like that. I get my coffee. Um, again, my job is pretty laid back. My company is awesome. Um, I start my day around 8.30. I may or may not have a morning meeting, but really I just start prospecting in the morning, checking emails, um, seeing if I have any missed phone calls or voicemails from prospects from the other day or the night before. Um, and then really I'm just creating a new uh, sales cadence of new prospects and then I'm making phone calls. So 90% of my day is on the phone um, because obviously they want you to have that call volume. And then the other 10% is just in emails. So it's more, for me, it's work-life balance. Like I'm able to be home. I do have children. I'm able to be a mom, but I'm also able to have a career where I love to go to work. So I can't, you know, I can't complain. How many calls would you say you make on average a day? So in my company, they want minimum 40, but we try to do at least 40 to 60 calls. And only because the more calls you do, the better chance that you have of reaching someone. Because everyone does not answer the phone. They might send you to voicemail. They might not answer. So your odds are better with the higher volume call. Um, I've got, or I've set meetings via email as well. So some people mm. refer emails. They're like, hey, I got your call, but I'm super busy, but I would love to set a meeting with you via email. And then I'm like, okay, great. You know, what, what is your earliest convenience? Like what, what day are you available? What time are you available? So I can talk to account executive and you guys can meet and talk about quotes and details about the product. And when you're doing these calls and the emails, you'd mentioned earlier, you're setting up your sales cadence, otherwise mm -hmm. known as a sales sequence. Can mm -hmm. you explain what that means to you? 
So sales cadence or the sales sequence is very important. Um, it's like touch points. How many calls, how many emails are you going to actually do with this prospect? Um, you don't want to overdo it with 10 calls and you know, 15 emails, you kind of want to structure your sales cadence because it matters to the prospects. You want to actually acknowledge their time and their personal life. Some people are on maternity leave. They're not even in school because I work in ed tech. So they're not even in school. They're not even in front of a computer. So they're enjoying their maternity leave. And then you have people who don't even work at the schools no more because again, I'm in ed tech. So you're sending emails and, you know, calling into a school that that person no longer works there. So I like to do more calls than emails because I want to see if that person still works there first before I do all these other emails before that first call. Um, so, you know, I might have like a, a 10 touch point sales cadence, depending on what product or service that I'm trying to sell or get them to go to the meeting for. In your experience so far, what have been some of the most challenging parts about learning the ropes as a BDR? Um, I would say cold calling. That was, it took me about two and a half weeks to really understand how a cold call is supposed to be structured because you never know what that person is going to say. So there's no there's no script that you can have to prepare you. You just have to be quick on your feet. You have to be literally active listening, understanding what they're going through, ask them qualifying questions before you let them just try to get you off the phone. So um, cold calling was definitely one of the challenges for sure. Um, coming from a medical billing background, you know, I've, I'm used to getting hung up on because I'm a medical biller. I'm calling because your bill is due, you know, so they're like, <laughs> they don't want to so, hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. So they were like, the hospital's calling, we're not answering. So I'm used to the rejection part, <laughs> but it was just that cold calling, you know, that initial phone call, trying to get them to stay on the phone long enough for you to just give your pitch. What have you learned about cold calling so far? In addition to asking the qualifying questions, what other tips can you offer to someone out there that, that either has never made a cold call or is, or is trying to ramp up their cold call activity like you making 40 to 60 calls a day? Um, cold calling is very important. Um, cold call is that doorway to, to see if this is a good fit for them. You know, you don't want to send emails to a dead end if they're not interested. You're just hoping for a response. That cold call, that initial first cold call is basically like a introduction of who you are, what the company stands for, what product or services they can offer to help their pain points. Everyone has something going on, whether they like what they have or they're looking for something new. With that cold call, you find out, well, how can I help you? How can I help you better whatever situation you got going on? And if you just give them some time to talk, use your active listening skills, they will tell you exactly what they want. And you just have to be ready to say, hey, let's take this a step further. Let's book a meeting. Are you available Tuesday at 2 p.m.? My account executive can go into more details on how we can help you with your pain points, how we can make your situation better. So that way, you know, whatever you got missing, like revenue, or maybe it's something that they're using, like a CRM, whatever that you need, we can, you know, we can help you. And you keep mentioning AE or account executive. Can you describe what your relationship looks like internally with your AE? 
my understanding yeah. is you may set meetings and then you mm -hmm. bring on your AE to then run that sales cycle. But can you explain what that process looks like for you? Yeah. So I do the prospecting. I find the new clientele. I build opportunities for the company. The account executives go to the meetings, they present the product or service, and then they close the deals. I have a very close relationship with my account executives because it runs smoothly that way. Um, I have access to their calendars to make sure I'm not scheduling a meeting if they're not even in office. So I try to have like that personal bond with them. I'm like, hey, like what's your schedule looking like next week? Like, are you available? Are you taking any time off? Because there's a chance that I might schedule some meetings today and I don't want to conflict the calendar because that's the last thing you want to do is set a meeting, check the calendar, and they're not available. That's like the worst feeling ever. So... <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna have to step up and run the meeting at that point <laughs> yeah so it's like oh my goodness I have to call the prospect back and cancel and yeah, you know and yeah, sometimes yeah. you're like that's the only day I have available and I'm like oh my goodness like this is you're not like, gonna I'm work not gonna get my opportunities in this month exactly so meeting that quota is definitely my top priority I always like to do a hundred percent or 120 um, can you explain what your quota is and just the incentives that allow you to make commission checks and get paid? Yeah. So with my company, it goes by meeting set and opportunities open. So if a meeting is set, depending on the month, it could be 20 meetings per for, for that month. If you set 20 meetings, you meet 100% of your quota. Plus, if you set opportunities, they add on addition uh, pay for that as well. So you can set 20 meetings and have no opportunities open. You still get the opportunity to get the commission, but it just won't be as much, like the max payout. But if you do opportunities and the meetings, you get the max payout. And the and the reason, or I guess like the, the cheat code behind that is qualifying that prospect before the meeting. So you know an opportunity is going to be created. So then you don't have to worry about trying to see why opportunity wasn't created at the end of the month. And then you're scrambling, like reaching back out, doing follow-up, you know, trying to meet your quota because you want that max payout. So I try to qualify a prospect before the meeting. So that way I know guarantee the opportunity is going to be open. Dang, 20 meetings set a month. That's a lot. Yeah. You're working. You're going to have to hit the phones to do that. Can you describe <laughs> what an opportunity is just for those people who may not know? Yeah, so an opportunity is when a account executive meets uh, with the prospect and they the prospect likes your service or product and they talk quotes. So, you know, how much the, uh, the service or product is going to be, they send an invoice out, the opportunity is created. Once the invoice is paid and then the opportunity is closed. So for me, my, uh, my role is to do opportunities open. So they don't really worry about the closing part. Because again, that might take a few months. That might take six months or so. Sometimes it can be closed within a few weeks, but mainly they focus on op uh, open opportunities. So opportunities generate revenue for the company, which is all obviously what they love. So they love to see BDRs and SDRs create those meetings and generate those opportunities because it means revenue for the company. Now you're talking my language. I like this. We got to we got to get the sales numbers, the revenue. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what's been the most satisfying or fulfilling aspect to your job 
thus far? Um, I think just knowing that I was able to make a pivot. Um, never had sales experience. Did not know that I was going to love sales. Um, I have a team of 10 BDRs and I'm literally top two. I'm like the second place in sales right now. And I did not know that this would be something that I'm like, I can do this. Like, this is something I want to actually stick with. Um, other than that, I'm helping people. I'm coming from the medical field anyway. So I'm around doctors and physicians, you know, so I'm still helping people just in a different way. So people talking about their pain points. Again, I'm an ed tech. We're talking children, reading, science, math. I love to help, especially when it comes to the kids. So giving them that high curriculum books and a digital um, platform assets that helps me because I'm like, you know what? I just helped this school get, you know, some great books for the summer. Or I know that I helped this school because they were lacking funding, but we found a grant for them. So I know that they're able to reach the state requirements next year because we we gave them some some, you know, math curriculum that meets standards. So at the end of the day, it's helping people. And that's what makes me love this job. How do you deal with the competition element being on a team dashboard, 10 other BDRs? They're probably tracking your daily inputs, all your calls, all your emails, all your meetings, all your opportunities. And, and it sounds like that excites you, the idea of, of performing and, and maximizing your potential. But I know at least for me, it's, it's an adjustment when you're, you're on this dashboard and they say, Hey, you're either you're, you're first, you're last, you're in between. It's very clear where you stand. It's it's not like a, a secret. It's hey, this is your performance, and you're responsible for that. So, how do you deal with that? Um, I really try not to look at it as a competition. I kind of look <laughs> at it. That's the only best way you can do. I learn from my mistakes. So if I'm like, you know, this this phone call didn't go well. How can I change the next phone call? Or what? Are, where did I go wrong? Or at what point? Do they seem not interested? So with our team, we kind of work together. I don't think any of us are in competition with each other. Some people may not or gatekeep some information. They're like, hey, I'm not going to tell you how I got this meeting. You're like, okay, you know, but I just like to be open and honest. So if I find that a certain territory has a grant, I'll let them know like, hey, this territory has a grant. You should call. Because again, we all have different territories. So, you know, it's kind of like, we're a team anyway, you know, but as long as I do my part and as long as I know at the end of the day, I contribute my daily responsibilities. That's like the main goal for me. It's just to make sure that I'm hitting my call volumes. I'm setting meetings and I'm creating opportunities. Yeah. That's, that's all you can really can control. But once you start talking about that grant money, I'm, I'm going after that grant money. So mm -hmm. we, mm -hmm. we may, we may be competing for that. I want me some of that grant money, but so <laughs> Let's talk about breaking into tech sales since that's how you opened our conversation that a lot of people get it wrong. They don't have the patience or maybe realize that it takes the sale, the same sales skills they'll use in the job to get the sales job. If, if you were coaching me and I'm, I'm off the street, I'm rough. Uh, I have no, no experience, no degree. And I'm trying to find my way. Let, let's say I'm, I'm just leaving high school thinking about, they're telling me to go to community college, but uh, I don't know what I want to do. So what, what, what steps should I follow to find my way in this wild world? Yeah. Um, the first thing is just find out what skills do you have? 
a lot of people don't understand that entry-level tech sales, it's really just skills. What can you bring to the table? What can you show a company that you can, like how you can help them? So first is just knowing your skill set. What are you good at? What skills have you mastered at your previous work or, you know, uh, companies that you have worked for so I just like to kind of break down who you are what do you want because this is a space where you get to choose what do you want what type of tech do you want to break into do you want to work from home hybrid on site salary wise you know this is a time where you put you first and a lot of people don't understand that you know tech sales is different than the regular nine to five the interview process is different your resume has to be appealing certain skill set has to be highlighted and a lot of people don't put themselves at a high standard it's like I can't do it I don't I don't have any sales skills I'm like I don't either but I'm here and I love it you know so just giving them that whole positive energy um and just yeah like just figuring out like what are you good at like what are your skills so I think skill set is is priority because I think that's what's going to get you through the door and obviously make you stand out, you know, against the other candidates. What skills do you think I need to demonstrate to a potential employer? Let's say I have some experience washing dishes or maybe working in a restaurant, may maybe even in a retail job selling shoes. How, how do I take that skill set and then demonstrate that I could be a good fit to the employer? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're coming from restaurants or a retail store, you still have customer relations. You're talking to people, you're speaking with people. So customer service, customer satisfaction. Uh, we all know retail, I'm pretty sure they have a monthly quota that they have to, you know, reach to sell something. What was that monthly quota? How much did you sell? You know, try to figure out those metrics. Coming from a restaurant background, were you a manager? Um, did you have relationship building? Did you have a good relationship with your team or your team um, coworkers or your boss? So it, it's really mainly just sitting down and evaluating your experiences. A lot of people don't think about the little things like verbal and written communication. You have to write down orders. <laughs> Do you get them correct or do you go to the back of the diner and get it all wrong? You know, so it's just the little things that people don't think about. They think about, you know, sales and it's just like, I don't have any sales experience. I don't even know how to do this and that. And it's just like, it's the little things. It's literally the soft skills that you need to be highlighting. So, you know, yeah. And, and fortunately for people that are looking to acquire new skills that could help them make more money, programs like Course Careers exist. And of course, you sought out Course Careers. And can you talk about why you decided to go through Course Careers and how that ultimately prepared you with the skills to land your job you have today? Yeah. So I, I started Course Careers back in December 2022. And I was just thinking to myself, like, I do not want to go into the new year with the same job, not liking my job, you know, just work depression. I was like, I need to change it, something up. Somehow, YouTube popped up and Course Careers was number one on the Google. And I'm like, okay, let me just click on this. So it says Course Careers and it was, you know, it had someone talking about how they were 
making like 36,000 to, you know, 80,000. I'm like, okay, that's a big jump. I'm like, so what is course careers? What do they teach you? You know, how do I get into this? And then I started to do some background and from, you know, digging, watching more videos. And then I was just like, okay, I need to take a leap of faith and just pray that this works for me. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure. So as I did course careers, I was like, oh my goodness, like this is all a different language to me. I was like, I don't even know sales, tech, all that. I was like, this is new. But then I was like, if you want different, you have to apply pressure. So I was like, I'm gonna do it. Did the course about two, two and a half weeks. Um, I passed the final. And then from that two and a half weeks, it took me about 30 days to break into tech. So interviewing, resume building, uh, mastering how to interview. Because again, it's different in tech sales. The interviews are completely different rounds of interviews. Um, so I had to master how to, you know, um, showcase my skills, which I've never had to do that before. And normally you just show a resume, they read it, ask you a few questions and they're like, okay, see you Monday. You're like, oh, okay. But tech is different. <laughs> That's why it comes with that patience. Cause you have to rounds of interviews, different people, different levels of people in the company that you have to meet. So it is a little bit of you know, nerve bending. I was nervous to meet VP of sales of a company because I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is new for me. But I knew I had the capability and course careers gave me that push to say, hey, we're going to give you enough to get to the door. But when you get into the interview, this is all you take what you learn, apply it. And that's exactly what I did. So I stand behind course careers 110%. Let's talk about getting to the door. So you complete course careers, and then you say about 30 days later, you end up landing a job. What process did you follow? How many companies did you apply to? How many interviews did you do? Can you just talk about once you completed course careers, how you then got the job? Yeah. So after I completed course careers, I didn't know how to tailor my resume. My resume was like, medical billing, medical billing, medical billing. It was like, I kept getting rejection letters. So I'm like, what? I went to course careers. Like what's going on here? You know, <laughs> I did not know that you have to literally showcase a different set of skills that match the actual position you're applying for. And I wasn't. So then I had to start all over, redo my resume. Then I started to get some action. Recruiters started to reach out to me. I did my LinkedIn profile. I was getting messages via, you know, uh, DM on LinkedIn. And then I'm like, okay, now it's picking up. Then it started to get super busy because I had round ones and round twos in the same week. Um, I was literally trying to do interviews in the car because I had a part-time job at the time. So it was a lot going on. But I will say that no matter what, company that you interview for, you always have to do your discovery on that company. I learned the hard way. I didn't do the discovery. I, I didn't know the company's mission or vision. And I was like, they asked that question. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't even know. Like, what's Exposed. their vision? Yeah. And I was like, I bombed interviews. It happens. You know, I'm human. And then I sat down. I'm like, okay, Ashley, you have about you know, 17 days left. Like you need to buckle up. I start digging, finding out the CEO, founders, you know, um, connecting with recruiters, reaching out to other people that worked at the company that I wanted to apply for. 
and ask them questions, use them as a referral. Then I was starting to slide into doors, like, you know, just a little bit easier because I was like, oh, I know this person. And they're like, oh, you know, you know, Tom, okay, yeah, let's, let's see, send me your resume. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, it was one time where I had 17 interviews in a week and a half. That was the craziest time ever in my life because I was like calling my mom, hey, mom, can you watch the kids? I have two interviews today. And then she's like, oh my goodness, I'm just going to move in until you get a job at this point. Because every day you have an interview, I'm like, I-, I want this opportunity. I have to go for it. So it was, you know, again, it was a lot, but it was worth it. Every day was worth it. It sounded like you had a really strong why behind your actions and driving you. And you said a lot of urgency behind it as well. Can you talk about how people can can find that why and continue to channel that belief in a better future to fuel the actions today to, to get past the adversity and the bombed interviews and the rejections and all that hardship. Yeah. I mean, the number one thing for me was what's your goal? What do you want out of this process? I wanted a new job. Another thing was I wanted to create stability for my family. So my family, my you know, my children, it, it pushed me a little bit more because I said, this is going to open up a door for me to where I don't have to worry about inflation, the rent going up, car note, insurance. Like, this is going to give me the opportunity to where I can live stress-free. So that is what pushed me. Um, but again, it, it still took a lot of energy, though, because I felt like no matter what round of interviews I had, I was still like, dishing out energy and it was like exhausting too because I'm like okay after this I have to go be a mom you know so I really had to put my big girl hat on put my boots on and I was like I have to literally get through this and I pushed through um it was you know some companies that I I wanted to work for but the work culture didn't match what I was looking for um I was looking for a company that had work-life balance that kind of understand like hey I have a life outside of work I have kids you know a company that had a limited PTO, didn't know that existed. So I was just finding more and more gems as I started to figure out what I was looking for. So I put me first, family, obviously, and responsibilities. And then once I kind of understood what I wanted and, you know, putting my wants and needs first, I was like able to stay focused. And now you've made it on the other side. You're a success story, and and I'm sure it's a it's a different kind of stress nowadays. But but it, at least there's there's more upside, which, yeah, which right. is always fun. And and now you are a you're a coach at Course Careers, and this is something I, I don't think many people know about. Is part of Course Careers, of course, you have all of the information to learn the skills you're talking about in the process to land the job and get up up to the door to get the interview. But also the the coaches and, and just being able to provide people with one-on-one support, hands-on guidance. And I'm sure people are watching right now saying, man, it'd be cool to speak with Ashley. And I'm sure mm-hmm. they'll reach out to you on LinkedIn. But I know you offer free training and one-on-one training within course careers for people that that want to to learn from you and tap into what you're doing. Can you just talk about what you hear in these coaching calls? Like what are maybe some common struggles people are are facing or questions they come to you with? And and how, how you work through that? Yeah, so right now, I think the main or pain point I've been hearing is being ghosted by recruiters. I'm not sure 
what's going on. Maybe there's some layoffs, but I've just been told like, hey, I reached out, they responded, and then they didn't say anything after that. Or they had a phone screening and then they didn't get any response back. So I think a lot of people are just like, hey, if I wasn't a good fit, still send me something, whether Mm -hmm. it's a rejection letter or whether it's I'm moving forward to the next round. Um, It does make people a little anxious because they sit there and they wait for that. Like, okay, well, I know I did great, but I didn't hear back. So my thing is, you know, I always tell them, don't put all your eggs in the same basket. If someone didn't respond, go to the next company, go, you know, do another application, try to get in touch with someone else at a different company. And hopefully in that time where your mind's not focused on that one response from that one recruiter, you're already getting other interviews lined up in the meantime. Um, That's kind of the main thing that I've been hearing. Um, Everyone's been joining the course. They said that it is very enjoyable. Obviously you are the instructor on there. So they're like, Trent's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Right. Like I'm trying to do a podcast with him on it, you know, get on there and talk to him. So you come up a few times. Um, but other than that, like that's the main thing I've been hearing. Um, question wise, it's just being prepared for interviews. But again, I tell them, you know, I can't go with you to the interview. So it's all on you. Everything that we practice and talk about, mock cold calling, interview, mock role play, you have to take that and actually apply it to the actual interview with the hiring, you know, person or the recruiter. And I think people get nervous. I think people get nervous and they forget that confidence, you know? So it's just building confidence. Um, I try to do that as well, build confidence, you know, speak that positivity back to them give them that energy let them know like hey i i can do it you can do it you know so yeah i mean but i love the coaching um i like going through the study sessions that i have a lot of people enjoy it as well so i've been you know i've been in a good space with you guys so final question what Mm -hmm. what's next for you What, what what are you most excited about moving forward in the next few months um well People ask me, like, do you want to become an account executive? I get asked that all the time, like all the time. And I'm like, you know, it sounds good because obviously they have different responsibilities. You know, they get paid more, obviously, but they travel. That's the only thing about, in my company at least, they travel. So right now it's like I can't do the traveling. So the SDR role fits better in my life my lifestyle right now, but I do want to master the SDR role. I want Mm. to be able to say, I can do this in my sleep. I can do this with my eyes closed. I can set 30 meetings because I know how to cold call. I know how to personalize emails. I know how to get someone from saying a yes to a no, you know, or a no to a yes, you know, just handle rejection without any, uh, you know, fear of not having them show up to the meeting because they didn't want to go anyway, you know, so I'm just trying to master where I'm at now. So then that way, if I ever need to revert or go back, I know that I can do this job, hands down. But account executive, it does sound nice. But again, I have a three-year-old, so I can't really travel that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a great mentality. And, and I believe things will work out for you. And and so long as you have that skill set, I'm sure you, worst case, could always find an, an AE role that's fully remote. So 
it always yeah. tends to work out for the best. And, and it's exciting that you're a coach offering course career students access to yourself and the ability to tap into your knowledge and experience. So fortunately, anyone that's listening right now, we have linked the free course down below and they can learn more about tech sales, the SDR, BDR world, if it's right for them and how to actually get started. So we will see you guys on the other side. Feel free to reach out to Ashley on LinkedIn, go connect with her, go connect with me and wishing you all the best in your career. Let's make it happen. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good, good job, Ashley. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, it was fun. I'm glad we did it. It was cool to see your post and yeah, it was very timely. I think this was meant to be. So there's got to yeah. be someone out there that's going to listen to it and, and they're going to say, that's exactly what I needed. Yeah. And that's why I kind of wanted to do that too, because I'm like, this is the end of the year. Perfect timing for, I want a new job. I know I want a new career for the new year. Cause yep. this, this is where I was in December. I was thinking oh, that yeah. oh, I need a new job for the new year and people, their course career, the actual web page is on the computer. They just like hesitant. They're like, ah, something has to give me to actually do it. So the more people have real results or talk about it and have like, you know, personal experiences will actually get more people to sign up because they're not looking for marketing advertisements. They're looking for real scenarios, like real people going through this. So yeah, real results. Yeah. Like, you know, what's my reality? Like if I do this, what is the real reality? And I like to keep it real. You know, I'm like, Hey, it is a process. It's not going to happen overnight, but if you put your mind to it, you can do anything.